Uh, we've been doing some introduction messages over the past couple of weeks on our series, Presence in the Pain. And we're in the, the part of this series where we're going to be doing some interviews and hearing the stories of some people in our community that have gone through some uh, difficulties, some times of testing, and some, and some trials in their life, and what it was like to walk through those. And the series is kind of built on a few key thoughts. One of them is this. It's that regardless of our theological position on pain and struggle, all of us will face difficulties. All of us will face pain and struggle and hardship uh, at different times in our life, regardless of where we think it comes from. And so there are different theological leanings. Uh, some would believe that God causes those things for our own testing and, and development and growth. Some believe it's a result of spiritual attack and the work of evil forces. Uh, some believe it's part of living in a fallen world where sin and, you know, God and there's tension in the, in the universe and uh, there's this struggle between good and evil and we live in this fallen state, in this fallen world, and it's part of, of just life and, and life happens. And some believe it's maybe a combination of, of all of those things. And, and, and the thing is that no matter where we choose our theological position on those things, we will face times of trial and times of testing and, and pain and hardship. And so uh, this, the, the idea is what happens when we look beyond the why question? What happens when we, we, we get through that question of like, why is this happening to me? And we look at the, at, at the other things. And what we discover is when we, we look at the lives of people who've gone through times of suffering and hardship, it really leads to the, the second main foundational thought of this series, and it's that God is always present with us in the midst of our pain. And this is one of the things that we're hoping to communicate and hoping to show and hoping to encourage is that even in the midst of the most difficult, darkest moments, that we can still have God's presence in our life. Scripture and church history is full of people discovering Jesus as the incarnate God, Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us, even in our pain, even in our struggle. Sometimes it's directly by his spirit. Sometimes God shows up and his presence is there that way. You know, another way that God's presence shows up in our life in difficulty is through the love and the care of his church, of other people. And sometimes God shows up and sometimes the presence of God can be felt richly in our lives through the actual presence of other people who bring Christ with them. And this is something that I think is encouraging. And, and our hope is for those of you going through uh, times of difficulty and pain and struggle right now, that we'll be able to encourage you to keep holding on and that God's presence will surround you. And more than that, maybe things are okay right now. Well, our hope and our encouragement is that, that you'll come through this series with a fresh realization that you can be Jesus to someone else. You can bring the presence of God. You can bring love and, and the peace of Jesus into someone else's life who is struggling and, and who is going through that. So that's really our hope for the series. Uh, I'm going to introduce Jeffrey and Tina Marie Exenti to come. And I'm going to have them come up uh, wherever they are. Where are you guys at? Why don't you welcome Jeffrey and Tina Marie. I'm going to introduce them. Jeffrey and Tina Marie are a, a wonderful part of our church community. Jeffrey is one of the directors of Disney Interactive here in town, and uh, he spends most of his free time, this is not a lie, 
organizing Tina Marie's crafts and wedding decorations and things at home. Uh, Tina Marie is, you know, uh, helps people with their weddings, and she probably doesn't even want me to say that, uh, but she has, like, I mean, talk about candles and centerpieces and decorations and ribbon and, and oh, all kinds of stuff. So you'll find Jeffrey in the evenings in the basement sorting through that stuff. Uh, he's involved with our men's network, is an active part of our worship community, and sure appreciate having Jeffrey as a, as a part of our, our, our team. Uh, Tina Marie is one of our, we would call a high-level volunteer at the house. She is overseeing our worship ministry for the evening service. So we have the, the 6 o'clock service that is more of a young adult focus. She oversees the worship for that. She's also involved with our worship ministry here in the mornings. She helps with children's, or sorry, not children's, with uh, women's network and uh, helping with, uh, she's doing a, a small group weekly study with some women in the church, and uh, it's not even a small group. I think there's like 19 or 20 people that go to that. So again, opening her home and showing hospitality, and sure appreciate them uh, in that way. Uh, They have a gift of hospitality, and they are always opening their home and welcoming people in, and and for that, we're really appreciative. And uh, just so that you know, we are having our 40-plus network affinity group coming up on December the 11th, I have written down here, and it's actually at their house, okay? So uh, three to five, it's a Sunday afternoon. Uh, four to seven? Okay, four to seven. Bonnie has spoken, and um, yes, so that's definitely, that's the right way, okay? So December 11th, four to seven, uh, and you can sign up, okay? It's, it's complicated. We had like 65 people last time in a home, so... Uh, the police came and shut it down. It was a bad scene. It was, it was messy. Uh, if you could sign up, that will help us coordinate things a little bit more, okay? And you can find there's a, there's a sheet there at the info booth, and it will actually be at their house, and they have this gift of hospitality. So appreciate them. Um, your story begins with a car trip on your way back home from Calgary over a Thanksgiving weekend a, a, a number of years ago. I'm not even sure how many years ago it was. Um, tell us a little bit more about that? Well, actually, we had moved right after, right before our second anniversary to Vernon from Calgary. We left our family, all our friends. We left our church community that we uh, were part of. And uh, we, Jeff was actually a fairly new Christian, so we found it really important that we get connected into a church right away. And we found this great little Baptist church in Vernon that was just on the cutting edge of contemporary worship. This is, you know, this is a long time ago when, when those things weren't really done yet. And, um, and so we got settled in. We got, found out we were pregnant right away. We had our daughter, and she was five months old, and we took a trip back to Calgary for a friend's wedding and for Thanksgiving to spend with our family. Uh, yeah, and then... Okay, so it was very early in the morning of Thanksgiving Day, and we were heading back to Vernon. It was still dark. We were a few kilometers outside of Banff, Alberta, and through the freezing rain, I was contemplating in that very moment, maybe we should stop in Banff, see what the weather's going to do. It didn't look too good. And for what seemed like in the same moment, we hit the black ice on the highway, and at highway speed, lost control, was in the ditch, and it seemed like an eternity in the ditch, although it was very fast. And the last thing I remember was the chain link fence and the headlights. So when I came to, the sun had risen, daylight was all around. 
which was strange. But when I realized why, the whole cab of the truck was gone, the windshield was gone, our back window was gone. We were literally sitting in a convertible. And I'd looked over Tina Marie, who was unconscious. She was bleeding. And uh, I didn't want to shake her, obviously, realizing we'd been in an accident. I didn't want to touch her. So I just kept yelling her name out. And at the same time, Amber, who was five months old, was in a rear-facing car seat in between us. A pillow had fallen on her. So as I'm yelling at Tina Marie, I pulled the pillow off that had fallen over top of Amber. And I pulled it off, and her eyes popped open, and, uh, which was a grateful thing in that moment. Um, so knowing that they're both alive, obviously going, you know, thinking to myself, we need help, need to get help. We didn't have cell phones. So I stood up on the driver's seat, turned, ran through the bed of the truck, scurried up the ditch to the highway, realizing what I had done, looked back and just saw the complete decimation of our vehicle. Uh, we had a canopy on the back of our truck. It was down on the, in the ditch and all our belongings were strewn everywhere. It was just quite the scene. So. I stepped out on the highways waving my arms. I realized I had a gash in my head. I was bleeding. And a couple of cars went by. Finally, this very large car pulled over. And I was kind of just leaning into the passenger window when the, the window came down and there was this elderly woman, woman sitting there. And her eyes kind of popped open because I had this huge gash in my head. And it seemed like before I could get the words out, we've been in an accident, can you help us? The doors were open for elderly ladies were out, the trunk was open, they had blankets, they were already down at the truck. And I was kind of just still standing there. Um, I just remember um, I, hearing my name over and over and over again. I was obviously uh, unconscious, but I could hear my name being, and it was, I knew it was Jeffrey who was screaming at me, actually. And I came to, and all I remember was looking at him, blood everywhere looking and seeing Amber being held by these, this little old lady and um, she had terror in her eyes and immediately uh, I felt like I had glass in my mouth so I was saying I have glass in my mouth and I was freaking out and uh, you know the ambulance um, someone must have called an ambulance because one did have come and he put his hands in his mouth in my mouth sorry and said oh your teeth are all chipped and they're loose and that's what that is I'm like oh, okay and a hand on my head it was quite indented it still is and um uh and we were strapped into uh those things and which I'm very claustrophobic so that in itself was an experience uh put in the ambulance taken to Banff for assessment and um while we were in there I could hear Amber screaming, screaming down the hall, and knowing that she didn't take a soother or a bottle, that this was not going to be fun for them. So anyways, I asked them to bring her to me and tried nursing her flat, and that didn't work, and they took her away. And it was at this time that I realized, I don't think we're going home today. <laughs> so I asked the staff, I said, could you contact our family in Calgary and let them know this has happened and that we are going to need some help with Amber but please be really careful when you communicate it because Jeffrey lost his um, older brother in a car accident. And so this would be a real big trigger for his parents. And so please be very careful to say that we're okay. And uh, so, you know, we got through that. They took us by all of us to Calgary. We, I was in ICU for a while and they determined that I had broken my neck at uh, C6, C7, 30% of the bone into the spinal column. And 
uh, I was going to have to be put in traction. And so they hung weights off my head at first. And then um, we had visitors through this time. And every time someone would walk into the room, they would be mortified and start crying. And I would be like, hey, it's okay. I'm good. I'm, I'm okay. I'll be okay. I'm alive. I was so thankful. I had so much. I was overwhelmed with the reality of where I could have been and where I was and the fact that um, I was alive, my husband was alive and my daughter was alive and I was extremely thankful. And so um, uh, after that, they put me in a halo brace, which is four screws into your skull with a halo into a cage basically. And um, they told me that I would be in that for at least three months. And from there, I would be in another brace after that that was removable. So, um, yeah, that was a little bit challenging, for sure. And uh, so we were in the hospital for a little while. And we eventually, uh, they kept Jeffrey thinking that his neck was injured, and uh, it wasn't. So we finally got out. We're in Calgary, staying with his family. Uh, they would bring Amber t to me to nurse during the hospital, but after that, we were at the house and trying to figure out how to really do life in this cage. It was uh, rather challenging, but it was something that I had to navigate. Even moving like this much was a big deal, and eventually I could walk, and eventually I could uh, do some normal things. So I understand that it was a teaching hospital where they were at in mm -hmm. Calgary, and they would bring students in to look at them because they were a miracle. Yeah. And they would, they, they would say, here's the injuries, and, and look at her. She's, she's going to make it. And, and Jeffrey, they thought, you know, look at the x-rays. There was trauma and that there would be neck injury, and then he, he was fine. And they took x-rays again four days later, and, and everything was good. And so they were actually an anomaly. And so we could see the Lord's hand uh, being upon them, I think, even from the, the very beginning, and uh, being a, at a teaching hospital, all these students coming through and, uh, and checking them out. Mm -hmm. uh, that was really only the beginning of, of your struggle. I understand you had just, uh, because you had just moved into Vernon, uh, there, you had just got a townhouse. And uh, you hadn't even unpacked boxes yet, and this was waiting for you at home, and you had to kind of adjust to, to life. What, what was that like? What happened? How did, how did you guys kind of get started uh, back into Vernon in those, those coming days? Well, we were still in Calgary. Our pastor at the time of a church, Mark Buchanan, had come out, and he had seen us. He was assessing what we might need once, once we got back to Vernon. He sat with our parents, um, you know, just was around with them and just listened to them. And, and uh, it was just very, it was just great that he came out and did that. Anyway, so we, we did fly back home uh, to Vernon. I remember this part vividly. So we got home. We got back to our townhouse. People had already started unpacking our stuff and setting it up. We lived in a townhouse community where... Our friends, and uh, this was in East Hill and Vernon, a lot of people lived there from our church. So they were right there. And uh, so we walk, literally walked in the door. And myself, I'm thinking in my head, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do life? This is going to be this is crazy. There was a knock on the door. And there was the elders of our church. And they had dinner, because it was about dinner time. And so they walked in. Here's your dinner. They pulled out this list of all these families that were going to be doing dinners for us over a month, over the next month. 
and this was just organized. And it was at that point that, you know, everything had been going on. It had been like three or four weeks since the accident, and you just kind of toughen through it. You got all these things to deal with your, when we were back in Calgary. And at that point, I just kind of really realized <laughs> church, what church was. And, and I, I lost it. <laughs> I, I kind of broke down right there. But in the same time, I felt God, and I felt that, you know, we're going to get through this. I love hearing those stories, uh, and you know that I cry a little bit once in a while, so but when, I, when I see the body of Christ uh, minister to other people, it's so powerful, and uh, listening to Jeffrey and Tina Marie tell their story about the impact of people being there and present in their life is really amazing, and uh, the stuff that they had to face and go through and I know things remained difficult for a long time after the accident. And Tim, how how did how did you move on? What what was life like? Tell us what was happening. Well, um, I was given a hospital bed, which was great. I never felt the back of a pillow for three months. And I remember looking at Jeffrey sleeping in his bed and going, "I will never take that for granted again, ever." And. Um, Anyway, so I wasn't able to lift or anything, so we had um, a six-month-old at this point, and I had to have 24-7 care with me at all times, primarily because of her, but it did take me quite some time to uh, navigate, be able to get dressed by my, like, just the everyday things, um, just because it was quite a foreign object for quite some time. Eventually, I would go shopping, and I would do things, but... um, with somebody all the time. But um, it was, I actually, my, our pastor's wife, Cheryl, she sewed a lot and she made me all these, all these tops that would fit over this brace because um, I think now people wear things under, I'm not sure, but I was nurse, I nursed through that whole thing. Uh, our daughter refused to take a bottle the whole time. Uh, very stubborn, still is. And, uh, but I, it, you know, I don't think I would do that again, people, but first child, I was pretty adamant. So they, people would just bring her to me, and I would just, I was in traction, and they would just, like, stick her on me, and I'd just sit there. And then they would forget about me and leave me there, and I wouldn't be able to move because I couldn't move her to get her off. So that was regularly. Um, I had friends from the church that would come and sit with me. Our family did come back and forth a bit when they could. My mom worked full-time, so that was challenging. But um, we just, they just really just took in. I had some home care. Um, it was, uh, you know... It, you do it. But at the same time, I have to really say that my perspective was of looking at everything that I had more than what I didn't at that time. And I think that really uh, helps in those times. Really, our attitude really does help. And it, I, was, I can honestly say that I don't think I actually felt sorry for myself. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, you didn't. So we were embracing this new normal of our life, and um, I was trying to get, I was getting back to work. I worked for a construction company. We were doing a lot of work up in Sycamus, so that was a bit of a challenge. It added, you know, a couple hours of travel to the day, uh, and again, Tina Marie needing 24-7 care with Amber. So that was, again, our friends were just rallying around. The church was rallying around. Uh, we had to get a new vehicle. We had no vehicle. Uh, our truck was done. So we had to find a vehicle that Tina Marie could actually sit in uh, with her halo, so through all that, got back to work, and we started just 
one foot in front of the other. And that's how we did life. And then there was, uh, so shower days, we went, yeah. So shower days were, were long days. Uh, it was every other day, teenery in a halo. She couldn't, uh, so what we had to do is I would, I'd be at work all day. I'd come home, teenery would be anxiously waiting for her shower, get her hair washed, and I, I could just imagine uh, how anxious she was. <laughs> so I was like, no, it's shower day, I gotta get home. And um, so I'd come in, again, we'd need someone to come take care of Amber. Showering was about a two-hour process with the halo brace. There was a sheepskin underneath the part that was on Tina Marie's shoulders, and we would have to swap that out after the shower and, you know, uh, baby powder it and put in the... And she would have to lay down motionless while I did this. So it was, it was quite a process. Uh, we were tired a lot of the time. Uh, on top of that, Amber was not sleeping well. She was having night terrors. So throughout the course of the evenings, and this is when we didn't have help, so it was just us. She would wake up screaming in the night. I would go get her. I would take her to Tina Marie, kind of what she just said. She'd be laying in bed. And Amber, she'd be breastfeeding Amber. And uh, once she was done, I'd put her back. She would be out again, maybe for an hour, maybe for an hour and a half. But these night terrors went on for a few months. And it was just day in, day out. That was, that was life. It was the new normal. Tina Marie shared that... Uh, Jeffrey would be so exhausted from working and then coming home and helping that he would lay down on the bed just for a minute and fall asleep, and she would be nursing Amber, and then Amber would fall asleep, and Tina Marie was stuck there, and she didn't want to wake up Amber, but she couldn't, like, throw anything to try to wake up Jeffrey, and, and she, you know, life was just, that was hard. It was just difficult, and uh, trying to get through those, uh, those days, and uh, I think they, you know, they, they've spoke well of the, of the church and the community coming around helping with, uh, you know, just... Jeffrey would do the, do the shower and then go back down and help Amber, and whoever came to help Amber would then go and help Tina Marie with her hair, and because uh, Jeffrey couldn't do Tina Marie's hair, he could do lots of other right. things, and uh, you know just the teamwork and the help and the support, uh, you know, to get through things. Eventually, they did progress to where perhaps there was some light at the end of the tunnel, and uh, Tina Marie was uh, it was looking like maybe she was going to be able to get her brace off and uh, get a diagnosis on how things were looking. And tell us about that day. So this was uh, the six-month mark, and I had an appointment to go and, uh, to the hospital because when I, I would take off my Somi brace, whenever I'd move my head, I would actually get uh, electrical sensation all down right to my toes, and my arms would start going numb, and I'd have some issues. So uh, I went to the hospital. I had some extensive x-rays, and they did say that I could wear a, a collar, uh, a soft collar, and but to be um, careful until I could see the specialist, um, the neurosurgeon. And actually, that's another little miracle because we had this neurosurgeon that when I was in Calgary, they said, "Oh, there's nobody in, there's nobody in the Okanagan." This is quite a long time ago, so you're gonna have to come back to Calgary for all your treatment. And I'm like, like you know, every one of these things is just like no. So, but when we got to we got to Vernon. My doctor said, "Oh no, we have this guy. He's here. He's like, and he was like one of the best in in um, North America. And he was only in Vernon for a year and a half. And when I needed him, and and then he he it was like, and he was in Vernon, not even Kelowna. So it was like, <sighs> anyway. So yeah, that's kind of. So anyways, I got home from that appointment from my x-rays and the phone was literally ringing and I walked in the door and I picked up the phone and it was uh, Jeff's boss's wife. And he, she said, hey, 
Jeffrey had a fall at work, and um, it looks like he's broken his leg. So I'll keep in touch, but we've taken him to Salmon Arm to the hospital, and he's uh, going by ambulance right now. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I, I, we hung up, and I, I honestly thought, like, oh, you know, six weeks in a cast, every, you know, whatever. I mean, financially, once again, I was thinking, huh, how are we going to do this? But I just was really literally thinking, you know, a, a broken leg. Yeah. Um, then I got another phone call back saying, well, you know, uh, we're going to have to bring him to Kelowna. Uh, they want to set his leg there, and I was like, um, what's that? Vernon, sorry, if I do that, it's Vernon, just so you know. Um, and so I'm like, oh, I started asking a little bit more questions, this, and it, I realized, oh, this is a little bit more serious than what I originally thought. So I found someone to, to watch Amber, got someone to drive me to the hospital, because I didn't drive yet, and um, I waited, and they brought him in, and immediately... Immediately, I knew, oh, this isn't this isn't good, and they immediately were all over him. It was a bit of swirl. He he was pretty out of it, and I just was like looking at the doctor, and I just looked at the surgeon, and I'm like, what what are we looking at here? And he goes, oh, this is pretty significant. This is really serious. And uh, he, I, when do you, when do you think he might be able to get back to work? I mean, I'm just thinking, not just thinking finance really at this point. Like, how are we going to live? I can't work. I said, I can't work. I I, I just recovering. I just was like, and he goes, oh, he's probably going to be off work for at least a year and a half. And um, yeah, so that was it. The one thing I do recall hearing when he said that, because I was kind of in and out, was, what? <laughs> no, you, you didn't swear. Didn't you didn't swear. <laughs> you got injuries. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't hear that lead in. Sorry. Um, so we were up in Sycamus. We were framing a golf course clubhouse, and it was in early April. I remember the fall. I mean, the fall, one thing when you're falling, I mean, there's, there's two takes. There's fear, and then there's just peace. Uh, so what happened is we were doing, you know, it was nothing out of the unusual. We were running, running around the roof framing, stepped off, and again, it just something broke away under me, and I was in the air. Now, we were 30 feet to the ground, but this was a concrete, they stored the carts underneath the, the clubhouse that we were building, so there was a concrete driveway underneath, and I went right off at that point. I did manage to try and save my fall. I hit a couple decks and a concrete retaining wall on the way down, which thankfully when I pitched out, I was head down looking at the ground. I think that's why I had peace because I thought, okay, this is it. And um, that the peace all changed after striking the various objects and then landing, but I did land on my butt in a hurdler stretch on the ground on this concrete driveway. So yeah, peace over, a lot of pain, and uh, but thankful, thankful, <laughs> definitely thankful, because I was still here. Now, uh, they first took me to Salmon Arm, uh, quickly assessed me into Vernon. I didn't really know the full extent of my injuries till the next day after a six-hour surgery that night. Uh, what I had was a completely shattered right leg. It had exited. Uh, my left foot was completely shattered. I had a broken pelvis and a broken collarbone. So... Far from dead, which was I was thankful for. Uh, Begin six weeks of hospital. I was in the hospital for six weeks, two weeks in Vernon. Then they air me to Vancouver for some more 
uh, specialized surgery there, then back to Vernon for another two weeks. I had nine surgeries in total. And then I came home. There's a, there's a picture from Vancouver General Hospital. <sighs> I can't believe it. Um, I was at BlackRock last week for three days on a personal retreat, uh, struggling with Jesus there. And uh, standing on the ocean, there's this just, the, it's so rugged. And these waves, and, you know, just if you stay there for a half an hour, you just look out. These waves just pound these rocks relentless. And walking through the story with Jeffrey and Tina Marie, it's like they just, their life just kept getting pounded and pounded and pounded. And uh, after uh, Jeffrey was in this, you know, serious accident, and Tina Marie is still not quite uh, 100% better, she got uh, yet more bad news. Tell us about that and what happened. Uh, so I, this is just really, this is wild, I have to tell you, looking back at this, wow. Um, I went to see my specialist. This was about a week after he was in, uh, after his surgery, his first surgery. And um, I walked in and uh, uh, he, he said, hey, like, took me through my x-ray. said, this isn't really good. There's quite a bit of movement still. It hasn't fused what, as much as we would like. And uh, we're going to have to go and do some spinal fusion, take bone from your hip. And, and then he stopped and he actually was standing with the x-ray thing. And then he stopped and he sat down and he just looked up and he went, um is that your husband on the third floor in the hospital? And I went, yeah, it's mine. And I can't do this. There's no way that I can do this right now. And um, so he was like really gracious. He said, okay, you know, uh, I think I still had to continue to wear a collar and whatnot and be not lift very much and whatnot. But he said, we'll just let this settle itself out for a bit and, uh, and we'll deal with it. I, I remember, like, we were in a church about this size, and our pastor, we were all pretty young. Our pastor was really young. And I remember him coming and just, like, looking at me and going, I don't even know how to pastor this. I don't, I don't even know. Like, this is, it was challenging for all of us just to kind of, like, navigate these waters. But, um, yeah, so uh, a few months goes by, and Jeffrey comes home. Yeah, she came home in an ambulance. Uh, because he still wasn't weight-bearing. And so um, we navigated that. So got him home, got adjusted uh, to the, what that was going to look like. And uh, I went back to the doctors. We had a couple. We did a little trip. <laughs> and then went to um, back to the specialist. But meantime, in that little trip, uh, we found out that I was pregnant. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The doctor actually said The that. doctor actually said that. Anyway, so I go I I walked into the specialist's office and this is when we were supposed to navigate spinal fusion and I I literally he I just looked at him and started crying and I'm like I'm pregnant. I was 6 weeks. And he that's what he said he goes, "Wow, Jeff must be doing pretty good." <laughs> anyway, so it was like yeah. And, um, but I was pretty devastated, just so you know. <laughs> I, I was very devastated. I, um, um, and he's so gracious once again. He said, you know, I've done this before. You have two options. We can wait until 
you deliver and um, we'll do it right away. And then I would be back in a brace and I wouldn't be able to lift and all that. Or we could do this in your second trimester. And I actually feel very confident in doing that, but I'm going to send you to your doctor and you can talk through with him and I'm going to give you, you know, look at all the facts and the risks and all that. And then, you know, you guys can decide. So honestly, right then I went, it was our mom's group, which was my lifeline. I don't know how people do it without that. I had a mom's group. I went to it every week and I went and I just sat with them and I just cried. I, I was just like, I don't know what to do. Like, this is... I can't even imagine having a newborn and doing this all over again. Like, I just don't want to do it. So um, uh, they were good, and they just prayed with me. And um, eventually, uh, we decided to go ahead and have fusion when I was 20 weeks pregnant. Um, we did it, and I had a great recovery. I felt immediate pain relief. And... Uh, uh, my recovery, and honestly, through this whole thing, I never, ever took uh, any painkillers at all. I refused. I wouldn't take them. And so in, after that surgery, I was like, this is the most incredible feeling ever. And I, um, yeah, uh, so then I got home. Things were starting to get a little bit normal, but then Jeff had to go back in for surgery and get rid of the pin that they had stuck, you know, put in his leg. And so... He was back on crutches. So I think it was like four Christmases in a row where either I was in a brace or he was in crutches. Yeah. So the amazing thing is before all this happened, they started to get involved with the worship ministry in this little church. And during this whole time, you were actually still quite involved with your church. Tell us a little bit about what did that look like? It looks crazy. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, we, we had just started actually leading worship. Like, it was a very new thing. We were, it was like we had no idea what we were doing, really. And uh, like I said, Jeffrey was just a new, a new Christian. He just actually picked up the guitar, and we were doing this thing with choruses and whatnot. And, but we led through that whole thing. Like, Jeff would lead from a chair, and I would lead in my brace. And so I think it was... So, worship volunteers, Yeah. when you think you're having a bad only, day and yeah. you don't want to come, yeah. Brace was, and Cass yeah. sitting on a chair and still doing Kumbaya. So, yeah, thank kumbaya. you for that. Yeah. That's about what it was. It was that. Yeah. Uh, but at, at the same time, there is, um, like, there is, there was so much, we had so much support from our community. There was only other one other worship leader, but we just really felt like um, thankfulness and and praise was our uh, what we wanted to express to that time. And there's something that happens in those moments. And so for us, it was as much for us personally as it was for, you know, serving the community. There's something about when you can declare the goodness and faithfulness of God in the midst of suffering. There's something that does collectively to a body that was family for us and support. Yeah, I think there's a strength that comes for everyone in that time, and yeah. I remember Jeffrey saying that uh, the church community walking with them through this experience became life-giving and enriching to that community because they felt like they had, you know, maybe some purpose. They saw the courage and the gratitude in Tina Marie and Jeffrey and them continuing to step forward, and it really does kind of maybe put things in alignment where we think, 
you know, maybe, maybe my priorities and my, my view of life and selfishness and all those things. And so they, it really had a profound impact on their church. Uh, in our conversations, Tina Marie mentioned that she found gratitude and thanksgiving was her weapon. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you mean by that. Well, to be honest, there's like a whole bunch of little it's just like times throughout this where we had like really significant encounters, but with um, with God and I remember and His presence. But I remember when I came to and, I, and I'll never forget. It was probably the first time I ever heard that inner, still small voice. And I remember hearing the words "Thank me." It was Thanksgiving Day. I didn't actually have a recollection that it was recollection right then that it was Thanksgiving Day, but I remember hearing it. And it wasn't a "Thank me" that thanks that I did this to you, so that you know. But it was just this whole like, keep your eyes on me, and it's going to be good. And I, I, it did something. It's like that whole thing of faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, and the Rama word, that voice that spoke into my spirit. And it was something I just held on to the whole time. And so I honestly would continually put myself in that place of, I'm just so thankful that I'm here and that like, I have friendships and that this church has been amazing. I mean, there's just so many things. But most of all, that for the grace of God that is there when you need it, it's not something that you can uh, store up. It's something that is actually available. And I think that thankfulness and, uh, and worship and praise it actually clears the atmosphere of heaviness and despair, and it makes way for peace and grace. And I can't really explain it other than I've experienced it. Yeah. And so worship ministry for them has still remained and is a significant part of their life. And even to take the spinal fusion uh, that, that Tina Marie underwent because of the pregnancy and things and how it had to be done, they actually had to physically go in and move her vocal cords out of the way so they could get in and get access. And so there were no, that was one thing, that there was no guarantees that there would be uh, you know, damage to the vocal cords. Of course, they're extremely sensitive. So coming out of that and being really, I mean, healed and, and, and uh, all of the pain and all the numbness and all the tingling and all that uh, loss of movement became restored, but her voice was still intact. And so I think that's part of them and their journey, and, and that's, that's part of why they still continue to make worship ministry a priority. And so we're so, we're so blessed to have you guys in our church and have you be a part of that area of, of our church. And so we're, we're so thankful for that. Um, tell us a, a few other things that maybe, maybe just a few little nuggets of some things that you would have uh, picked up and, and learned and experienced going through there. You talked a little bit about uh, trauma and letting people kind of go through some of that on their own terms. And Yeah. I think that when, to, to, so some things looking back and uh, when someone's experiencing trauma in any way, um, loss, grief, whatever it may be, that um, it's really important that you stay, that to stay out of judgment because we have all these, like, we have all these belief systems that we carry. And I tell you, like, I don't, I don't have the same thoughts that I did even then. Like, my theology has um, changed. My knowledge of God has grown. I, I'm a lot older. I have a lot more life. But it, none of that actually even matters. Like, when, when Chad said that at the beginning, it really, his presence through it, it doesn't really matter even what I believed at that point. I just knew that he was with me. And... Um, but trying to stay out of uh, judgment, and um, and the other thing I can really recommend is don't start, don't step into comparative suffering. 
<laughs> when someone's in the moment, you know, oh, yeah, but I did, you know, it's just like trying to attach to the, the emotion of what they're going through. And, um, and yeah, and maybe stay out of theology. And I was given a lot of scripture verses that at that time, it wasn't actually helpful to me. What was really helpful for me was when people just sat with me and would just like when Cheryl would come and brush my hair and braid it or when someone would uh, help, help me navigate reattaching my child back to me because she didn't come to me because she was scared that I wasn't going to be able to do it for her. So the, the time and the energy that people took to actually put us back together and, and make us whole was what really mattered. Not, not the, I mean, their prayers mattered, but actually their presence mattered the most in that time. I think when our, uh, for me, the, a couple of things that I took away was that, you know, these are times when, when our faith is actually tested. And our, do we actually believe that God is who he says he is? And can, is he trustworthy? Like, I always look at the word faith as sim, like, is same as trust. So my trust kept growing because every time I would navigate something new, his faithfulness and his goodness was always there. And then I, you know, could um, root myself deeper and ground myself in that. And so eventually you get to the place where, yeah, it takes a lot to shake you. It takes a lot to move you because he's proven himself over and over again. Yeah, God's presence is always with us. And it is most definitely tangible. For us, I mean, we just we just experienced it all the time. But at the same time, uh, we had we had just been married three years when this started, and we really, I mean, the two of us together. I just just want to just about our our communication, and that we just we didn't keep this as oh you're hurt and then I'm hurt. We just dove into this as one through it all, and I think that if anything that made us stronger. Uh, and yeah, it's it's hard, and you're you are being tested, your faith's being tested, but you're also you cannot deny God's presence and God's touch, and just in every again everything all around you. I can't say it enough, but really we we kept we kept the course together. It was we were always talking, we were communicating. We didn't keep anything in, like we kept nothing in. <laughs> um, but that really for me, it just strengthened our relationship. It strengthened our relationship with Jesus, and that to me was just, you know, yeah, you think back now, and it's, I can't even believe it, right? I can't even believe when we were talking about this earlier, and, uh, but it's, it was very real. Well, we are blessed to have you in our church community. We're the better for it, and uh, you could have given up hundreds of times, and somehow, Jeffrey, only being a Christian for three years, being married for three years, and uh, new, new baby, new, like all of all of these obstacles, all of these challenges that you guys held on, and uh, and that's part of who you are today. It's part of your story and God's presence in your life. And uh, we are so you know so thankful to have you in our church. Why don't you say thank you to uh, Jeffrey and Tina Marie for sharing this morning?
going to ask the uh, team to come. We're going to get ready to, to close this morning. And uh, thanks, guys. I want to read a scripture, a little scripture passage as we wrap up today. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says this. This confirms what I told you about Christ is true. It says, now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, he will keep you strong in the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when the Lord Jesus returns. It says, God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says and he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And uh, the, the things that sticks out to me from their story is continually just those just being pounded like those waves just one thing after another and them holding on to one another and continuing to go through this and um, it is a reminder I think to all of us that when we are in the middle of that it is just a paragraph it is just a chapter of your story it is not your whole story in the moment, it feels overwhelming, and how can you get through it? But when we hold on to the presence of God, when we can find the presence of God in our life, and we hold on to him, we find that there is another chapter. There's more to the story to be written. And there are wonderful testimonies, I think, in many of our lives where we can look back and we can say that God was with us. God was among us. God was present with us. And for those of you that are finding yourself in those dark moments, just know that um, we can't give you the answers to the why. But we do know this. We do know that God is faithful, God is good, that Jesus loves you. Yes. And his presence can be in your life. And if there's one thing that will make a difference, it's to find the presence of God, whatever that means to you, whatever that looks like to you to hold on to his presence because God is good and God is faithful 